Welcome to Beyond the Press Box with Josh Bede, Zach Kyleman, Cody Emerson, and William Hatzel. Get ready to hear great discussions and debates on the biggest storylines in sports. We cover topics ranging from the NFL, NBA, MLB, college football, and college basketball. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the roundtable discussion between four friends for passionate sports fans. Before we get to today's show, we want to let you know that we've recently partnered with Fubo TV. What is Fubo TV, you might ask? Fubo TV brings you 100 plus channels, including NBC, CBS, Fox, ABC, ESPN, and more, without the hassle of a cable contract. Don't believe me? Click the link in our bio to start your seven day free trial now. Fellas, both the uh, Western Conference Finals and the Eastern Conference Finals are well underway now. So uh, Phoenix is up 3 1 on the Clippers. They will play tonight, which is Monday night as of this recording. Um, and then Milwaukee is up. Uh, 2-1 on Atlanta uh, on, on the Hawks. So what have you made of, of both of these series so far? Well, look, I'm going to start out with the uh, Phoenix and Clippers series. Honestly, I look at this one and I say, man, imagine what Kawhi Leonard could do with how close many of these games have been. Pretty much the Clippers story has been close but no cigar to this point. They did get that 14-point win in Game 3 in their own house, of course, against the Suns and did pull away reasonably. But you look at Games 1, 2, and 4, and especially Game 4 with Paul George missing some crucial free throws in the final seconds of that contest – They've been in it this entire time. They just need a little more juice. And it seems like the, the Phoenix Suns, at least, you know, with or without Chris Paul on that court, you know, DeAndre, DeAndre Ayton, obviously, in game four was uh, one of the big difference makers, too. His presence and his coming out of being possibly a borderline star in this league is starting to show for the Phoenix Suns. Their their organization and their roster has it all together, and they have a lot of youthful pieces that have a bit more energy and a little bit more oomph in that in lineup. If you ask me, uh, I think Kawhi Leonard would help a lot on the defensive presence. If you if I would say, and especially the shots, uh, Paul George, you know, as we know, you know, he can put up points, but a he's doing it inefficiently right now, and b uh, as Cody well knows and loves to point out, uh, clutch performances don't exactly show for Chris for Paul George. They off team. Exactly. Game four is an example of him completely whiffing. Dude, you had a chance to take a lead and you completely whiffed on it at the free throw line. How do you do that, man? I'm just like, this is the, this is the instance you were brought into Los Angeles and you came with Kawhi Leonard to help bring this team to the NBA finals. Now, not saying it's impossible. Even Tyron Lue said in post-game press conferences, ah, three, one, three, one deficits are manageable. We can do this. So, Hey, Anything's possible, right? You got to put that out there. Got to have some confidence. You know, my hope for them is you hopefully can steal a win here against Phoenix in game five and just get a chance to hopefully have Kawhi Leonard come back. Like I said, I think he can be a difference maker if you get any possibility of him being healthy and available. Uh, Otherwise, this is going to be hard for them to continue on. They're at the brink for obvious reasons. And, you know, you're just going to have to get a gut check right now. Now, Ty Lue, uh, he's been down 3-1 before in the yes. NBA Finals with the Cavs, but he has no LeBron now. So, uh, <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad you said that. His, I was going to say. Paul yeah. George doing his own impression. PG ain't no LeBron. He wishes. <laughs> yeah, that. that's what I was going to say. <laughs> I'm telling you, Kawhi Leonard, if he's in this series, I think we have a split series at the yeah. very least, especially game four. I think. I think he adding his his shot for his all round mechanics being missed in this series really could be used right now is what's unfortunate for the Clippers. So, you yeah. know, 
you know, best of best of luck. game five, they'll have to pull it off. I think you got to really at least put everything into game five here and, uh, you know, hope for the best that Leonard comes back for game six if you can manage to get a win. As for Milwaukee and Atlanta, well, uh, Trey Young has now had a, his MRI reported that he has a bone bruise. So yeah. that will affect the most important asset to the Atlanta Hawks. We only, one of the, the main reason why the Hawks are in the position they are and the fact they've made this magical run and are representing the five seed for the second year in a row being that, you know, upset seed like the Miami Heat of the year prior uh, is because of Trey Young. You know, he has continued to elevate his game, uh, obviously being hindered after his uh, tweaking his ankle, stepping on a ref's foot in game three. You know, what are the odds? You know, you hate to see stuff like that happen. But, you know, he is, for the most part, their offense and their and their production maker, if you will, in terms of their offensive presence. And, you know, especially the targets beyond the arc, because trust me, the Hawks have not really been effective in the paint. Uh, that's something that the Bucks have been dominating them with. Obviously, the Bucks have the size. And right now, at least between the Brooklyn Nets, at least the last two series between the Nets and now with the Hawks, um, we've talked on this show about how the Bucks need to start living up to all the assets they have put into this team. Uh, it's starting to come to fruition. Game three, that was Chris Middleton's game and his high score and his career high for the playoffs with 38. Uh, that's what you have Middleton. I mean, Middleton's been there forever, but that's why you bring in other pieces so that you can allow your other stars to shine. You know, Drew Holiday obviously has not been either effective where he's had to, of course, take a sideline, if you will, but Middleton was able to step up. You know, it shouldn't always be the Giannis show. And that's what we were seeing, at least in game three. Um, and with Trey Young having to have to deal with a bone bruise and already Nate McMillan saying that he didn't look great when he came back out in the fourth quarter. Not sure how he'll look on a short rest coming up here in game four, but uh prospects are uh, looking down for the Atlanta Hawks right now. Uh, Bucks definitely just seem like the much more well-built team and the one that can diversify enough to uh, take out the Hawks. I, I have less confidence in the Hawks, at least making this a longer series. I have more on this, on the Clippers extending this past game five, simply because they've been keeping it close. They just need to have a similar performance. They did in game three, where they just came out and just hit the gas the entire time and didn't let anything get going for Phoenix. Uh, but yeah, Atlanta looks like they're fading. I think, you know, it's only game four, but I don't have good uh, faith in terms of Trey Young's status in terms of being healthy or questionable as he's been for game four now. And it's like you said, I mean, with, uh, with the Bucks, you know, it's not just, it's not just been Giannis a series. You've had help with uh, Drew Holiday. You've had help with Chris Middleton. Middleton had 38 uh, last night. Right. Uh, on Sunday night. So uh, he went off, had too. like 20 points in the, I was watching that fourth quarter and just the basket was just big for him. I mean, it was his night. Yeah. And that was the thing. He came out and said, this is my court. I'm yeah. going to be dominating this. This is what we're going to do. And that's exactly how the bucks were built. You know, they went big money in this, this year from trade from trades and cashing in checks because they said, look, we're sm-, like I said, with any small market, you, you pretty much have to pay out and get and pay the best if you can, or at least the best possible contracts to keep guys and to get the best possible roster, you know, big markets, you can have some leeway, but with Milwaukee, you know, being one of those examples of like, okay, well, we want the honest to stay, give him a massive contract. He bought in great. You know, you got drew holiday. Great. Chris Milton's been there and has been one of the staples of this team starting to get its process back to the top over the last few years. This is the product of it. And if they get to the finals, this is the fruition of those labors of the bucks franchise. So they're right on the doorstep, and honestly, they have the most momentum right now to where they can finish the job. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'll, I'll start by saying this. I'll start right where you picked up, Zach, with uh, 
the Eastern Conference Finals. And it's something I don't often tend to agree with uh, Kendrick Perkins in, what, in most of his takes, but I agree with this one. He, he said that um, in closing time, and I'll kind of paraphrase because I can't remember exactly what he said, um, but in closing time or around that time, it's Chris Middleton's show. It's not Giannis. I mean, Giannis can get you there, or Giannis can do it, and he can kind of be that stable one through three quarter type of guy. But when you need a closer who can get you a shot and a bucket and a shot creator, give me Chris Middleton all day. No, and this is no offense to Giannis. I mean, Giannis is a superstar. I mean, he's going to be the main reason the Bucs win the championship. I'm not taking anything or if they do win the championship, I, I went ahead of myself for just a second, but um, I'm just, Chris Middleton can create his own shot. He's a, I, I've seen him, you know, I go back to good old 2k, you know, the difficult shot badge or whatever. He has that crap on hall of fame. There, there'll be a guy in his face and he'll be like, eh, no worries. It'll just drain it. So Chris Middleton is the Bucks closer. I mean, he and they tend to go as he goes. Um, you know, you can count on Giannis for anywhere from 25 to 35, maybe even if he has a great night, 40 points. Um, the free throws, which should be a violation, by the way. And that's something that oh, I don't yes. think is a, I mean, I love the fact that it is, I love Giannis as a player, but dude, and this is something the NBA needs to address too, and it's a completely side topic. But Giannis continually takes way too long for his free throw. The rule is a 10-second call. And when you have fans counting in unison, one, two, it's been one of the best things about these playoffs. Um, but <laughs> it, it, it should be a call. That's nonetheless. But, um, yeah, Chris Middleton showed up. And Trey Young – it's going to be tough with him. He's officially ruled as questionable, um, but I still think the Hawks can make it a series. I don't know because um, Trey Young did go back out there and play, um, but and I think he's going to have to play because, I mean, I'm lo- also looking at guys though your role players for Clint or for about say Clint Capella again um, for Atlanta. Ogden, you can't go three of ten from three. Yeah. That's just inexcusable. Kevin Herter, you closed out the Sixers. You were the reason in game seven that your team won. Come on, let's start to show up a little bit. And Clint Capella, the rebound machine as well. Come on, let's start to see some of that too. It's been the former six man of the year, Lou Williams' you know, struggle. Lou, Lou, yeah, the, he's the halt, the goat of six men. <laughs> he needs to show up off the bench. The, these role players uh, uh, Trey Young can't do it all by himself and that's a main reason why Atlanta's here is because guys like Kevin Herter Bogdan Bogdanovich Danilo Gallinari um have showed up they they really need him to step up now um now that Trey's hobbled per se I still think Trey can get you and will get you probably 30 um and he's gonna need that but role players for Atlanta I'm gonna need them to step up if they want to have a shot i think i still think atlanta can make this a series i'm not gonna with this injury to trey young i'm not gonna predict them to win it 
Um, but it wouldn't surprise me also if Milwaukee kind of uses this Trey Young injury to kind of step on their throat a little bit and kind of take the series. Um, out out west, yeah, a good old way off P, playoff P, <laughs> pandemic P. Uh, I have I can keep going with this. <laughs> but, Paul, you mentioned the poor shooting, Zach. 36% from the field this postseason – or not this postseason, this series, excuse me. Yeah. He is shooting 69% from the free throw line for a guy who routinely for his career is up near 90%. Free throws have never been an issue with Paul George until now, apparently. Um, he, It's the clutch thing. I really don't know what it is, but I, yeah. I hate to say it. He doesn't have it. Um, I'll compliment him um, and uh, Reggie Jackson too. I mean, they've both – Reggie Jackson really um, has stepped up in the absence of Kawhi Leonard, but you look at the rest of them, um, both PG and Reggie Jackson are averaging over 20. Um, Luke Kennard, Marcus Morris, Rondo, Boogie Cousins, Patrick Beverly. I know Patrick Beverly doesn't score, but you know know with Kawhi not out, you're going to have to make up 27 to 28 points. And so where are these points coming from? Oh, wait, they're not. (laughs) <laughs> That's the big issue yeah. is, and Paul George, I, I saw a, this, I'll, this will be the last thing I knock him for. Um, I saw a post, I think it may have been from CBS sports on Instagram or something like that, um, where they said he has played the most playoff minutes, which look, I get it. You've pl- the Clippers have played a ton of games. this postseason. They've a lot of their series have gone six, seven games but on the other hand, and I get Kawhi's hurt, but Paul George, you're a superstar. People call you a superstar. You're expected to play a ton of minutes. So I don't want to hear that, oh, look at all the minutes he's played compared to some of the others. Well, that's a, that's what superstars are expected to do in the postseason. Especially with so, Kawhi out, you're, I mean, you're definitely yeah, going to you know you're gonna have to play more minutes. <laughs> yeah. So, Look, I, he Paul George probably wouldn't be playing as much minutes if Kawhi was on the floor with him. I get that. But, Paul George, you're a superstar. I don't want to be no. hearing about you playing a ton of minutes, and that's why that your team's struggling. I want to reference for this series game two really quickly. That's up there with one of the best games I've ever seen. And, you know, with in terms of the refs and all the – although the last – two, three minutes of the game took, I think, 30-plus minutes, which that's the refs had their hand in it. Um, whether you agree with that, whether you disagree with that, um, I know they were getting a lot of flack for it. But got to make sure that you're getting the calls right. So at the end of the day, I can't complain too much. Um, but the play that Monty Williams drew up for DeAndre Aiden for that lob. Yeah. Yeah. Is- it's up. You put that in the Hall of Fame of play calling, because and, that, and that's yeah, you know hats off to Jay. I mean Jay Crowder he, he, yeah, to execute exactly. that. That play. wasn't an easy pass. Either. Yeah, to execute that play. I mean because you can draw coaches can draw it up all they want. It's on the player exactly. to execute it. So it's uh, you know yeah. It was it's like I said. Put it in the Hall of Fame of play calling. Yeah. Um, oh, and by the way, that's why he should have won Coach of the Year. I'm just gonna we had that discussion last week um so and I Monty Williams was my pick for coach of the year 
So yeah. he's, I'd like to say that that validates my point. But yeah, I, I'd like to say the Clippers, and I don't, they're not coming back from 3 1. I'm sorry. No, um, yeah. They're just gassed. Um, they, like I said, they played a ton of games. Um, but I, I just, don't see them in any way, shape, or form coming back. I mean, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Aiden, the Sun. Talk about role players who are stepping up. Cameron Payne stepping up. Cameron Johnson averaging right around 10 a game, too. Um, I mean, you got yeah. Jay Crowder, who is makes timely shots. He, he's not averaging a ton of points, but he makes timely shots, and he can make points for you. DeAndre Aiden, what can you say about him? I mean – Zach, you mentioned he's coming into his own. How Chris Paul said, get was basically telling Phoenix ownership in an interview after that, or after I think game, it may have been after this most recent game, I think, about get this man his money because DeAndre is probably about to get paid after the postseason he's had in this series, averaging 20 points and 13 and a half rebounds while almost getting two blocks a game. Yeah. I mean, talk about a kid emerging. I mean, this kid was just drafted in, I think, 28. Team, I 20, think. Yeah, 2018. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. So, yeah. um, he's coming into his own, and it's been fun. I've been, you know, if you've been listening to this podcast, I've been riding Phoenix all the way, um, and it's I'm really excited for them to hope be one game away. They still have to go out and play, um, and win and win one game. That's all you got to do. You got you got three chances to win one game, so I think they'll do it. Um, it's just, I'm I'm loving what I'm seeing from Phoenix, and they're, I really can't describe it, but they they play as a team. You can yeah. tell they have fun playing together, and we're like, I'll throw this in, and I know Yash, you and I like to talk about it a lot. Yeah. Um, Chris Paul, it's looking like is going to get his chance to play in an NBA Finals, um, something he definitely deserves. I he. We both said he deserves a ring. Oh, yeah. And, it, and it's looking like he's going to get to do it. And it's been fun to watch Phoenix. Yeah. Nowadays, oh, yeah. Even more, you know? Yeah, no. I mean, I, I love I love seeing that they're on the doorstep. And I really hope that they the history does not repeat itself. Like he was <laughs> Chris Paul in that interview. I know well. Rachel Nichols tried to talk with him after um, this most recent game. And he said – you. She asked, I think, something along the lines of, you've done something that I don't think has happened to the Clippers this postseason. You've been up 3-1, and Chris Paul immediately interrupted her and said, no, nah, I don't want to talk about 3-1. I've been there before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, don't yeah. drink it. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, re re revisiting the Paul George thing, by the way, I was only knocking him for game yeah. four. I mean, part of the reason we even got game two's heroics was because of Yep, of exactly. He had to chase yeah. the goal line, and it is – Speaking of free throws too, I, I don't know. Well, game game four, uh, watching that one to, to to end that with with Boogie Cousins. I have all the memes of him. Oh, like, oh, oh yeah, well, he, it, oh my god, Boogie! All you got to do is hit the rim, and, then and just, he, you know, <laughs> close. <laughs> but at least hit the rim. <laughs> oh, but yeah, the, all, he all just the memes. chucked oh. it off the backboard gotta, and said, "Have fun." <laughs> Oh man, it was just, I, I mean, I, I saw that and I knew, I knew he was, and I saw that and directly opened up Twitter and then just like two seconds later, oh, yeah. just all the memes like, Boogie, all you got to do is hit the rim, buddy. Is <laughs> that a, a JaVale McGee moment? <laughs> it just sounds yeah. like it. <laughs> uh, but 
no, I mean, it's, it's been a fun, it's been a fun playoffs. It's been a fun, uh, conference, both, both conference finals. Uh, you know, um, like Cody said, rooting for, for Phoenix to, to close it out tonight. If not, they've got two more, two more chances, um, to, to close it out, um, against the Clippers. I'm not as much rooting against Paul George as I'm just rooting for Phoenix. Yeah. I, I, I want to make that clear. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, no. I, I my disdain for Paul George is it's well documented. Oh yeah. But mm-hmm. I mean, no, I just want Phoenix. I've been riding with them since the oh, yeah. playoffs began. Cause not many people gave them a shot. I know yeah. not many, like a 90% of America picked the Lakers to win that series. And yeah. it, it's just been, they've been a yeah. good, I mean, I hate to say it, but they've been a good story to follow. And it's a damn good story behind what we're seeing. Oh Yeah. They kind of they kind of remind me of the uh, Western Conference version of the Celtics before they started trading for big name stars, you know, like how you ha- like how you have uh, you know Aiton and Booker drafted in organization. Chris Paul, yeah, he was traded, but no one expected him to be like say a Kyrie Irving esque type of trade. Yeah, you know, they, I mean, he came off a great season, but even then, we're like he's just complimentary. Still comes in and still is his himself or elevating his play for his age, you know. Uh, but you know, exactly team basketball. That's why I think about it. You know, it doesn't feel like it's star. It doesn't feel like it's star based. It feels like the roster was built as a championship team that, you know, can take on actual, you know, super teams surprisingly. Yeah, no, I mean, it's been, it's been phenomenal, uh, to see how, uh, how Booker and and Aiden and this team have grown and anywhere. I mean, just looking at last season, I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago on the podcast, on the podcast, just looking at last season with Chris Paul and the thunder where the thunder weren't expected to go that far. And then all of a sudden they're in that, in that bubble uh, and they're making a run in the bubble. And so every, I, I feel like everywhere Chris Paul goes, he elevates, elevates the roster, elevates the team. Sure he's definitely done that in, in Phoenix now. And that's now what Phoenix was uh, missing last year was that, that piece you saw on, I can't remember all I can't remember who said it on some sports show. Um, um, there's a million of them out there, but yeah, they were saying you saw it may have been Colin Coward. I can't remember exactly, but um, you saw Phoenix last year in the bubble and said, "Oh, yeah. there's this team that's can actually." I mean, you Do saw something. the talent. Yeah. Um, DeAndre Aiden wasn't quite there, but he's obviously taken a major step up uh, this year. And then you said. Yeah, they can maybe if they get a piece or two can maybe make some noise. You bring in a Jay Crowder, you bring in you bring in veterans like yeah. Jay Crowder, like Chris Paul, um, and you're you're reaping the rewards of it. And James Jones won Executive of the Year, and that's well deserved for yeah. um, what he's put together. Championship caliber roster for sure. Definitely, definitely. And you know the the, the playoffs are. Are uh, are heating up now. I mean, the the the, the conference finals are, are going really well. But there's uh, outside of the playoffs, the NBA. Uh, it's a lot of a lot of different news happening in the NBA outside of the playoffs, including uh, new coaching hires. And uh, I know Cody, uh, you're pretty excited about this one. We're going to talk about in uh, Rick Carlisle's be seeing him back yes! in Bankers Life Fieldhouse. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Who would have thought? So he 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 leaves the dis. He leaves the dysfunction in Dallas. Uh, now he will be the uh, the head coach uh, again of the uh, the Indiana Pacers. So, you know your uh, your overall your overall thoughts, just kind of your your perspective on. There is a god. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, I was 
Clamp Pacers, uh, I tell you what, it was probably the happiest I've seen yeah. Pacers Twitter in quite a while. Yeah. Um, I was telling you guys, I was uh, just getting my oil change in my car when I saw the news, and yeah. on my head, I was in the uh, just waiting area w- while they were working on my car, and I could have, my head probably would have went through the roof um, how far I probably could have jumped when I saw the news, but I, I'm and what's really f- interesting about Rick Carlisle um, coming back home um, is what we've said because it truly was coming back home um, to where he kind of got his start. Um, guys, it's a four-year contract, $29 million. That's an investment in a head coach. Yes, it is. So because – and it's really weird because um, – Pacers usually don't pay a head coach that much money. That's right, a little over seven million a year. Um, but, and I love that the, the Pacers did this quietly. There, there wasn't um, the only notification I got um, about the them and their head coaching church search was that they were doing some interviews in Chicago, but um, not. There was just a preliminary round, and the next thing I know. Rick Carlisle's announced as the head coach. I was like, wait a minute. When did this happen? So kudos <laughs> to Kevin Pritchard for um, getting this done basically under the table um, without, and according to um, everybody, it took one phone call. It, it was one phone call and Rick said, yeah, I, I'll come back. And it's, he loves the young ta- or the talent that's, I mean, he's like me and a lot of other Pacers fans. He just wants to see what this roster can do when it's healthy um, because it's been, yeah, once again, well-documented by me um, on this show about how it's been an injury-plagued team for quite a while. They have the talent to I, – I said this, I think, a few podcasts ago. It may have been last week. I can't remember exactly, um, but I – I would have easily picked us to get out of the first round this year if everybody was healthy. Um, but unfortunately they weren't. So it was just an unfortunate situation. Um, and Kevin Pritchard actually said uh, of Rick Carlisle demonstrated throughout his career, an ability to build something with sustainable success, uh, great respect for our franchise and our fans. We're very happy to welcome back him back. Um, so it's, I mean, welcome home is all I got to say. He brings a championship pedigree with him from Dallas, um, which, by the way, that Dallas team um, talk about doing – you really look at that roster, and I saw this on Twitter too. You look at that roster, it had – sure, it had guys like Dirk Nowitzki, who was a Hall of Famer. But besides that, it really didn't have much business of – competing for a championship and he got every single ounce out of that roster and i'm hoping that's and a lot of people are hoping that's what he can do with this roster Um, it's you just just look at it and it's the right fit it's a veteran coach championship level experience oh and by the way you know the locker room stuff of turmoil in the locker room that's not gonna happen with a veteran coach who knows what he's doing. And 
I saw something also, uh, I was browsing through Twitter and people were giving their own thoughts and opinions. And I agree with this one too. If players have an issue with Rick Carlisle, I'm okay with shipping them out because Rick Carlisle, he means business. He knows what he's doing. He's a well-established NBA coach who I think ranks top 20 all time in career wins. So he, he knows, like I said, he knows what he's doing. And so if you have a problem with him, it's probably on the player. It's probably not on what the coach is doing. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how he builds his staff. Um, we're still waiting on that. But I like the fact, obviously, that you did this as soon as you could, you know, a draft and free agency looming um, with everything like that. So I'm just happy that he's back. It's, it's a very, very great day for the Pacers organization. I'm waiting to kind of see when the exact um, – press conference i'm hoping it'll be i'm guessing it'll be sometime this week we haven't officially introduced him yet um so i'm looking to see what he's got to say um to the media and uh, what kevin pritchard has to say and um i'm really looking forward to it i could not be happier um, with this hire he was my number one choice and look the people will say oh well what did he last time he was with you well first off That was his first, I believe, his first stint or one of his first stints as a head coach. And the other instance, he performed in his first season, I think that was the last season with Reggie Miller, um, won a 61 game, was 61 and 21. And then the other prior or previous years, or these next three years is what I've been meaning to say, if I can talk, um, was that was the aftermath of Malice at the Palace. Yeah. The Pacers were never the same after the Malice at the Palace for the next four to five years. So Rick Carlisle was dealing with player was dealing with guys who Ron Artest was we all know was suspended basically I think for the close to the entire season. Um, tons of other guys were suspended, so the record's not going to show success. Um, but I, what I know now is he's going to get every ounce of it out of everybody on this team. And, you know, praying that everyone stays healthy, I think it can be – Pacers can be right back up there in the thick of things in the Eastern Conference. So, we'll see how it goes. But, yes, yeah, he- I, am, health, I am very – Health is key. That's – that's I know we've learned we've learned that over the last year uh, with with the Pacers and, and health is key. But like you said, Rick, with a, with a coach like, like uh, Rick Carlisle, I mean, uh, especially what he did with that, that uh, Mavericks team, um, back with the 2011 championship team, uh, you know, he can, he can definitely turn Indiana back around uh, and into, onto the, uh, the right path uh, into the yeah, he, making it. Carlisle was actually quoted as saying, getting back healthy is going yeah. to be a big part. Yep. Of- <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, I mean, just to kind of add on to, I mean, 836 wins in his career, yeah. ranked 15th all time. Um, so it's you know you're getting a damn good coach in yeah. Rick Carlisle. So I can't wait to probably go back um, to a pace. I didn't go to a Pacers game this year due to multiple reasons. Um, COVID being one of them, obviously, and uh, two, uh, the product was well not that great. <laughs> I'll, I'll say yeah. it. 
See, maybe the Carlisle higher. This makes me wonder, did, does this make the Pacers right back in the mid-pack of the Eastern Conference? Or are we going to be – or should we expect some moves in the offseason to help I, beyond that? My hope is that I don't want to make any um, – and from my – understanding of this hire is we're in we think we can win now um, okay we wouldn't bring in you know probably if the if kevin pritchard thought you know it's a, another rebuild or whatever i think they may have stuck with bjork um but no he i think he believes this roster is a win now type mode look i mean it's not gonna it, it'll be interesting you know with um, teams like Milwaukee, Brooklyn. I don't think Pacers are obviously top tier in the mm. East. I don't see any reason why they couldn't be with Philly. Who the heck knows what they're going to do um, no. with Ben Simmons, of which we're going to get into that later. Um, but what do they put around Joel Embiid? Does Ben Simmons stay? Um, look, the Hawks, they're a nice story. I don't know if it's sustainable. Um, the, I think the Pacers could be right back in the thick of things in the, I mean, Boston, who knows with Tatum and Brown and who knows what they're going to do. Yeah. Um, that's Kemba. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, the three through five spot is, should be the expectation. I mean, with high hopes, maybe to get that three or four spot, I think you're cause Bring back Doug McDermott, bring back TJ McConnell and free agency, because those are your two uh, big time needs that you need to address. But Brogdon, Karis Levert, TJ Warren, Miles Turner, and DeMontis Sabonis, which that's going to be another story, is which I've seen. I think they keep both centers. I think they can, that I guarantee you that is going to be a question that Rick Carlisle gets during his press conference. Um, mm-hmm. Although, uh, Kevin Pritchard has said that he plans on keeping both from from what I've heard. So then you got the bench again with TJ McConnell, uh, Doug McDermott, hopefully, uh, Justin Holiday, Aaron Holiday, uh, O'Shea Brissett, who actually played phenomenal when given minutes this year. So a lot of talent on this team. And I think the three through five should be the expectation. Oh, no, definitely, definitely. Uh, and like you said, I mean, the, the talent is there. Uh, you know, the, the once you get the 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 healthiness uh, factor of it, yeah. I think that the uh, you know with, with the amount of talent with the with the veteran uh, with the veteran coach there, uh, you know, I think Indiana is is poised to make a uh, a, uh, a a good good run in in the uh, playoffs. And like you said, it's they're in kind of the uh, with with. Um, I'm hoping to get past the first round. That's yeah. that. I mean, that's because yeah, it's been. I mean, who we run into in the second round? Uh, well, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but um, you know, the goal would hopefully just be get past the first round for and make you you can show some improvement at least. I'm not asking Rick Carlisle in year one to make these conference finals or go to the right. finals or anything like that. No, let's let's get past the first round in the playoffs and actually show that this team when healthy knock on wood once again and is capable of doing some good things so yeah don't want to say baby steps but you want to see progression oh yeah oh yeah 
And while we're on the uh, the topic of, of these coaching hires, I know there's, there's been a ton of them. I know uh, on the back end of that with the Mavericks, uh, Jason Kidd, former Mavericks point guard, uh, got hired in Dallas. Uh, I know Mark Cuban plans to uh, also look at bringing in Dirk uh, Nowinski, who is the current special advisor to the Mavericks as a uh, the uh, president of basketball operations for Dallas. So making some front office changes there. I know he brought in a guy named Nico Harrison from Nike, an executive from Nike as their GM. So uh, to lead their front office. So uh, a lot, a lot of different changes happening in Dallas as well. Uh, and so, uh, you know, and then the other uh, before I want to touch on the, uh, the Chauncey Billups hiring, which is the most recent one. But before that, I, uh, Cody, you brought up before the show, uh, Ime uh, Udoka, the first, I, we had forgotten about him. He's, he was the first, uh, first guy to get hired in this whole coaching carousel and uh, got hired by uh, the Boston Celtics and Brad Stevens uh, first head, first, uh, first uh, head coaching pick is uh, in, in the front office. So uh, I know he was, you know, in his interviews, he, he had kind of uh, talked about Becky Hammond and how, how great she was. And I thought, Oh man, maybe Becky Hammond's going there. And then all of a sudden I see the notification that's like, Oh, Ime Udoka. I think I'm pronouncing his name right from the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, the assistant there uh, ended up getting hired. And I, I, you know, just wanted to get your Zach, you can uh, just want to get your thoughts on the, uh, on the hire there in, in, in Boston. I know he's already said, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm, you know, really excited to work with Jason Tatum. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll see how that pans out, but just want to get your, your overall thoughts on that hire. Cause that was kind of like, that was the first guy I was like, oh, I, I don't know who this guy actually is. Like, you know, like I had to like look him up uh, extensively before I was like, okay. I was like, I didn't know this guy came out of nowhere. It's just an assistant with the Nets. Well, yeah. I mean, he's also had a bit of experience being an assistant on Greg Popovich's staff yeah. with Team USA. Yeah. So, you know, he, he's, he has at least for coaching tree aspects – you know, he comes from a pretty heralded uh, group. You know, I mean, if you're you're working under Greg Popovich, you better at least uh, inherit inherit some sort of knowledge of the one of the best coaches to ever be part of the game. Yeah. Uh, look, if any in any case as well, you know, Brooklyn at least was an experience saying, okay, how do we maybe try and manage you know star talent? You know, and I know that Boston had several factors go in the completely wrong direction on what their roster was this year. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously Kemba Walker has now been shipped out to Oklahoma city. So trying to, I think at least more streamline who is going to be running this offense in a way. Uh, and you also have a staff that knows what their roster is. So even, even if you're concerned about Yudoka coming in as someone that doesn't exactly scream, Hey, this was a ideal hire. Someone that I really wanted to land, yeah. you know, uh, and you had to look up a bit of knowledge on, you know, his background, which is more international too, by the yeah. way, he played yeah. in Spain and France. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously Brad Stevens being now the director of player personnel, you know, and GM, I mean, that's perfect. You know, I, I, yeah. I think no matter what, you know, he's shown at least in his, his history and the organizations he's been with, or at least the coaching trees he's been under, you know, it's someone that I think can get the most out of his players. And again, with Stevens being in the, in the organization, that's going to help still with the roster they currently have. It's only one year removed for guys that have played, you know, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, you know, Jalen Brown, these guys are going to be some of the essential pieces for this franchise moving forward. And, you know, you just got to rally around them and build a build an organization around them moving, moving into 
trying to be relevant once again, or at least not seem like it's just uh putting along like it was last year, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, Becky Hammond, I know the comments and that's something we're going to probably keep touching on. Cause you know, yeah. obviously Chauncey Billups that Becky Hammond was apparently one of the candidates out in in Portland. So yeah. Yeah. I, you know, maybe I'm still surprised because she, I, you know. I, that's, I, I just feel bad for Becky Hammond and, and all this. Cause I, I really, I think that she deserves a head coaching job somewhere. Well, um, she's going to get it. I mean, yeah, sure. I've, I've said repeatedly, I, I, th- no one's going to come out and report it yeah. um, because no one in the Spurs organization, I don't think will leak this. Becky Hammond, in my opinion, I think has an agreement with Greg Popovich and the Spurs organization. To uh, the second Popovich, reach, I think you'll see it. You could very well see it the same day, if not the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second Greg Popovich decides to hang him up, I really do think Becky Hammond will be the coach. Yeah. I, I mean, she's, you, you know, she's, I think she's going through this process, the interview process. She's done this multiple times now. Yeah. Um, the just to kind of see and gauge interest in what it's like to go through an interview process of potentially being a head coach. Um, so she knows, I guess, what to expect maybe um, because you can't, you do have to probably look at other people if you're the Spurs besides Becky Hammond, but she'd be the clear front runner. Um, so I just think she has an agreement with the Spurs to say, yeah, we'll at the second Popovich decides to hang him up. Um, we'll, we'll bring you in. So that's why I think she's, she stayed um, as long as she has. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it was nice to see that she was a finalist um, for Portland um, she's, you know, she's getting that recognition now. Yeah. And, okay. She's, she, know, one, like you said, Zach, if you're working under Greg Popovich, you might want to know what you're um, talking about and what you're going to be coaching. Becky Hammond obviously knows a ton and she's absorbed all the knowledge. And I, I just think she's going to be the next coach of the Spurs because as much as we love Pop, um, his days are numbered and we all know it. Um, it's going to be interesting because he, he was even, I think coming out and saying that he was really more focused on coaching the Olympic team this year and kind of, than he was with the Spurs a little bit because the Spurs are in a little bit of a, they're not a power in the West anymore by any means. So Becky would kind of be a nice person to kind of say, all right, we're turning over the keys to you. I mean, let's have you rebuild this team from the ground up. And I think she'd do a great job. I know mm-hmm. you have to get players, obviously, but yeah, um, I think she'd do a great job of being a head coach. She'll get that chance. I, and I just think it's only a matter of time with, with it being with the Spurs. Yeah. Sure. The Spurs just come off as a model of consistency and they're one that I just don't see. I mean, if you have, I mean, if you have a coach like Popovich in there, you know, and obviously I think you're going to get, he's going to get his say. And then that just, you know, the theory you have Cody just makes sense. Like why, why go out and hunt for a coach when you have one of the most popular candidates sitting on your bench right now yep. and you can, and Greg's pretty much, I would say in the next, at least two to three years, he's probably considering like, Hey, maybe I'll go focus on team USA and I can move on from the NBA world, you know, and deal with just that side, especially if he's already talking like the, the team USA was his main focus anyway. Yeah. And it's a roster that's, you know, it's probably going to get blown up here within at least another season or two. 
It yeah. might need to be. I mean, DeMar DeRozan's out in free agency this year, so that's one of your stars that's going to be out of the door, and that was one just to try and maintain a success. It wasn't one that was brought in to be a Kawhi Leonard and pushed to a championship status. It was one to maintain success and maybe build on something if you could in the short term, and that obviously didn't pan out as well as they were expecting. It might just be best to get Becky in there and yeah. you try and you know, maybe not say completely keep the Greg Popovich way of thinking, you know, it's still been consistent, but you know, maybe she sees a bit of a spin on it, you know, something that maybe, you know, you rebuild the roster can be in her image, but also bring on what worked under Greg's system and what was a model of success for San Antonio so far. And at least, at least before this past season, yeah. the last two plus decades. And you talk about consistency, 22 straight years until last year, I believe they had made the playoffs yeah. Um, so long, uh, I think helps when you, from, yeah. is the, when you draft David Robinson and then yeah. second you were in the lottery again, and Oh, by the way, here's Tim Duncan. Duncan. Yeah, and you get the trio Tim. of Ginobili and uh, oh, Parker yeah. and, uh, and Duncan in there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, that, that's, uh, work it, like you said, Zach and, and Cody working under, uh, Popovich, uh, you know, really, uh, really helps bolster your resume there. And, and Cody, you're uh, that, I mean, I, I, I definitely agree. I definitely would agree with uh, what you said there. I didn't even think of that for a second, but uh, yeah, I mean, just it's having there, having her there. Oh, sure. Um, and, yeah, and like, like Zach said, why go out and look for one? Why when you already have to start one. exploring yeah. when, when you have the next one right in your backyard so yeah can, can we take a step back and i just wanted to say jason kidd to me seems like such a lame duck hire for the mavericks yeah i, I kind of just it, rolled my eyes when i saw that come across my notifications it, it's yeah. a big it's it showed me it's who you, it's who you know yeah in, in the business and i well i mean he he's been he's been meh at best yeah, very mad. Yeah. and his yeah coaching career mm-hmm. and so i'm it's he look I, he was obviously probably still good friends with mark cuban dirk and yeah. those guys so yeah. i mean i don't know if i'm luca how i feel about it um but it is what it is with, I mean, with jason carl i was walking out the door so that probably doesn't yeah. feel so <laughs> yeah i'll oh, okay. <laughs> take it i won't well rick carlisle he he like talked uh he he basically like told uh mark cuban like he he uh, vouched for for jason kidd right right uh, well, i, I mean if you've got the support so, of carlisle then so sure but that's fine but, I, you know, and he was in milwaukee and uh you know with uh with brooklyn he was kind he, of he's been at these stops it seems like yeah like he's been the transitional coach yeah because you look at milwaukee um right after they fire him um they bring in Budenholzer and they have yeah. all the success yes. and then okay he goes to Brooklyn they right after leave, they fire they him. leave him they fire after him voila here's the here's big, the big three, three. <laughs> so I don't but yes it's I mean it's I, I still think of Jason Kidd as a head coach for the soda incident that, that's the only thing that comes up to me every time I hear if I'm hearing him as a head coach. Oh yeah. Yeah. He better, yeah he's going to, he'll, he'll, re, he'll revive it. You know, I'm just going to yeah. try and like, Hey Luca, you mind? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> another I one, I mean... <laughs> yeah. 
another one that I just don't understand. Well, yeah, it's been. It's, I think it's only been a matter of time. His name's popped up in a while, and that's. I mean, we still haven't mentioned Chauncey Billups. Either. Yeah, let's just yeah. jump into that, man. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, yeah. I, I mean, no, we're gonna get into this in just a second, but yeah, it's a when, great way. Apparently, Dame's not too happy about it. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's Chauncey. I don't know. He. I don't. I wouldn't have hired him for. I, I'd treat it more like a Becky Hammond type situation. I wouldn't yeah. hire him where Portland is in win now mode. I don't. I yeah. would not hire a rookie coach because that's what he is. I mean, he's been sure he's been an assist, assistant, but he hasn't had his first real time gig. gig. Yeah. So they're in win now with Dame. I think they're a defender, and maybe. I mean, you look at who they may go after and CJ McCollum, is he tradable? Is he not or whatever, but yeah. you have a superstar in Dame, you're in win now. mode. Yes. Um, yeah. I wouldn't have brought him in for that, but I mean, apparently they like him. Um, yeah. We'll see. I don't know. It's... That's another one where I'm just like, eh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean yeah. but your options were basically limited because I know Rick Carlisle was gone. Yeah. Um, and it's like, who, I don't know the other names out there. Um, so, yeah, it's just an interesting move. I mean, you let, you let go of Terry Stotts for pretty much capping the success. And now you're going to, I mean, I'm assuming Billups is more of a, let's see if we can change a mindset or philosophy. Maybe he's got a different look at it with what our, what we have here as our base, you know, uh, at least talent, like think of it as like how, I guess with Phoenix, you can look at it that way. Like maybe you'll get some veterans. You got at least some sort of a core and maybe you can get more of the most out of what you have on that roster, or at least out of the uh, support play supporting cast that Damian Lord has, because we really Lillard's not the question here. It's everyone else around him in terms of either health or at times consistency, I guess. I mean, it seems like, I, it seems like, for example, we seem to forget about CJ McComb a lot and he's supposed to be that, you know, that Batman to Robin, but yet, a lot of times I'm asking in terms of the crucial moments, where the hell's Robin at, you know, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem to show up. So, you know, a little bit of risk here because Stotts was a consistent playoff managing coach. And now you're going to get like Cody saying a rookie. I mean, Billups does have a high IQ. I mean, the dude was a point guard was a hall of fame point guard for years, but I mean, that's got to, you don't know if that always transitions to the coaching. I mean, Jason kids, we just talked about totally shaky at that spot. And, you know, also a legend at that same position that we're talking now i'm not saying all point guards are bad coaches but they usually the ones that know best and how the floors run you know yeah so you would think that that would be a great way to transition to a coaching perspective not saying that'll work so i'm yeah and you're playing yeah you're playing with uh fire with your best franchise player that already is frustrated that he doesn't get farther than the uh western conference files finals once in a blue moon you know yeah no (laughs) and then I, the only thing I was going to bring up is now, so is Orlando the only team that doesn't have a coach now? I think it's the Wizards as well. Oh, the Wizards. Uh, yeah, looking yes. at the coach okay. and the Pelicans yes. with uh, oh, yeah. Stan, oh, Van, Stan, I, Van, Stan Van Gundy walked away too. So, <laughs> all the big names. All the big uh, yeah. So the Magic Pelicans and the Wizards are the Terry, three teams that I guess don't have Terry coaches. Stotts maybe goes to Orlando is his Washington or runner. Orlando, one of the two. Yeah. They obviously wouldn't go back to well, Portland's already hired their guys. So. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, he's he's the front runner from what I saw latest. Uh, Terry Stotts is the front runner in Orlando, 
at the present okay. moment. So we'll see if he he lands Veteran that job. coach with a young. That, that'd be a good for Ready Terry for Stotts. A I think. Yeah, yeah. Ready for a rebuild. Yeah. yeah, I mean he's that's a, Orlando has a crap ton of young talent. Yeah, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll. Uh, yeah, he's he's the uh, the front runner in uh, in uh, Orlando. So we'll see how he he uh, he fares there. But we touched on uh, we're we're talking about Dame here and Dame's kind of uncertainty now in uh, in uh, Portland. Excuse me. Uh, he says the inability to contend uh, is is the reason, and uh, he also uh, you know he's he's again like not too happy about the. Uh, the uh, he said, I like Jay Kidd is his was his quote. So he wanted Jason Kidd, apparently. Um, and so he's unhappy with the the hire of of Chauncey Billups, like we mentioned. And so what do you what do you make of, of Dame's future? You, you, do you think he's still I mean, after the, the him coming out and, uh, you know, he's he's frustrated, he's pissed off that can't get past the first round. Um, you know, he, he didn't get the coach that he wanted. Uh, and, you know, uh, where, where do you see, you know, what do you see at Dame's future and kind of where do you believe is the best fit for Damian Lillard if uh, he leaves Portland this offseason? Zach, you're uh, – where, where do you see him, see him uh, landing if he, if he leaves Portland? Because there, there, CJ and, and Cody mentioned this. Uh, earlier too, CJ McCollum. They're looking at potentially whether CJ McCollum is uh, tradable as well. Uh, and I know when we touch on Ben Simmons here in a second, there's some some trades there uh, with Portland and CJ McCollum that are that they're they've put on the table. So, you know, right, right. Look, I uh, I would say go East, young man. Um, I know that the East is getting a little more contentious than it has been the last two years. And there's been a little more, more star power that's moving out there. So we're starting to see a little more of a uh, tight battle at the top, but here's, here's my thing. You know, yeah. I'm looking and I, I know on this show, I just, I just love to talk Tom Thibodeau. I love to talk about the New York <laughs> Knicks. Yeah. Knicks for some reason. I love bringing them up. You know, yeah. kept saying the surprise team all year and yeah. look who gets the coach of the year. Although Monty Williams, yes, I still had as the coach of the year. So we got to put that out there, but Hey, yeah. they finished fourth, you know, got upset by the Hawks or whatever, but look, what do the, what do the Knicks need? They need another star. Julius Randle was over overpowered in his first round series with the Atlanta Hawks. He didn't look ready to take on every bit of what this team needed from him. And guess who needs another person and guess who needs a better defensive team and someone that's a veteran coach that, you know, expects the best out of all his players and knows he can get the best out of Damian Lillard. Cause that's how Damian Lillard plays. Uh, it's Tom Thibodeau. And I'm looking at the Eastern conference right now. I like what the Knicks are doing. I like yeah. the young core they've built up. I like that they have Julius Randle and is now a, one of the top stars in the Eastern conference. Yeah. And I like the Tom Thibodeau, still coaches one still coaches one of if not right now the top ranked defense at the end of the regular season that is in the nba give them a point guard that can help manage that offense a bit better and i don't know about you but i like that dynamic i, I like the explosiveness that lord could provide to the other role players here for the knicks and that's just something the knicks needed you know the knicks were able to lock teams down that's kind of the reason that they were able to get to this stage last season they also of course picked up a of course, Derek Rose, and that helped to add a little bit of juice in the trade deadline. 
which is why they were able to get a little bit more out of that roster and were able to at least uh, catapult up to the fourth seed and take command more when they were still around the seventh or eighth, uh, at least mid-year coming towards the trade deadline. Um, but Lured, I mean, I look at the Eastern Conference, I say, okay, you know, I would say that maybe you worry about the Bucks, Knicks, and 76ers, but looking at what the Knicks did this season with what would many saw was not a roster that would finish the way it did or was as, going to be as well uh, synchronized, this could be something they could capitalize on, you know, especially yeah. if you wanted to escape the West and get a different, still slightly maybe easier path, you know, one that's a little more, uh, I would say, spontaneous, you know? Yeah. I mean, looking at the West Western Conference now, you're like, okay, I mean, even with the Jazz being eliminated, you're still like, geez, look at what they built there. The Nuggets aren't going to be a slouch next year. They, they didn't have Jamal Murray for crying out loud. You know, yeah. and you don't know about the Clippers. You know, the Lakers are not going to stop anytime soon. LeBron James won't let that happen. So and he's he's thirty one, Damian Lillard. So mm-hmm. you know, the time's the, running uh, out. The time you know? is running out for. I think this know, is, only gets uh, so many chances. This could be, and I'm not, I'm not saying it's going to get ugly, but you know, this is the first steps of uh, maybe next year's version of what we saw with James Harden this year. Um, if things don't go in a certain way this off season, or if maybe things aren't smoothened out, I don't know if Lillard is the type of guy that would say hold out or at least pretty much bring the team morale down to a point where it's just almost to- in to- just toxic in a way. But this is a man that's dedicated his entire career to Portland. He's at, he's been giving more and more every season since he has gotten into his prime. You know, I don't knock him. If you start asking around and say, Hey, like, if things aren't improving and if Chauncey is not the coach that we're expecting to maybe shake things up and get a little bit more out of the team I'm with, you know, I would love to go to the Eastern conference and talk to guys like maybe even not even the Knicks, but even like, you know, like say, uh, well, actually hard to say. I mean, I don't know, Miami, Miami, you could maybe say possibly, um, I don't know. I'm just thinking of teams that could even pay out. The Knicks would be the ones I think it would pay out is also the thing too, you know, they would be able to give assets to get Damian Lord as well and make it work with what they're given. So, you know, I say New York, I think that's, that's right up my alley. If I'm Damian Lord. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, that... you, like you said, easier, a little easier path past the first round. Slightly. It's not as, <laughs> it's not as easy as it was say in like 2018. Now yeah. it's gotten a little more tight, but I think you still have a path just for how spontaneous that conference is anymore. No. Yeah. That's, that's been one of the hotbeds. Um, there's, I mean, you look at a few of them, and I'll bring up one that, how, I mean, talk about a disgruntled, or reportedly um, disgruntled superstar. How about you pair two disgruntled superstars together and ship him to Portland? Or not, I, Jesus, yes. Ship him to the team that he is on. That makes sense, Cody. Gaming um, <laughs> the system. I see what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> ship him to New Orleans um, and pair him with Zion Williams. I like that too. Mm, Look, yeah. the Pelicans, they got Lonzo Ball. They got Brandon Ingram. Yeah. They have trade. They have assets that Portland would be interested in. They got picks. So it's, I mean, Zion, it's been reported that eh, he, he and his family maybe aren't too thrilled with the way New Orleans has done things. Yeah. And so you, Ship off, you know, Lonzo Ball's been uh, mentioned in trade packages all the time. Um, Lonzo, I mean, look, Dame is 
obviously better than Lonzo. There's no debating that. Mm -hmm. But it wouldn't be a terrible, I'm not saying it's the worst situation in the world if you go from Dame to Lonzo Ball. Because Lonzo can still probably be that number, he'd be that number, I'd say, two option on that team. Um, behind, it'd be C.J. McCollum's team probably um, if he still remains on the team. But so, but yeah, they Pelicans have a crap ton of assets that Portland I think would be interested in. So why not make the trade? And good God, having to defend Zion and Dame, uh, no thank you. I, I will pass on that. <laughs> Poor, I mean, because New Orleans is ready to, I think, slowly start making some noise. Um, they're I'm, look. I'm not saying they're going to finish even in the top half of the West, but they're ready to make the playoffs. Zion, good lord, I know ESPN and all the networks would be in a bidding war to see who could get <laughs> Zion and Dame um, on the on their network. So, um, but yeah, Zion and Dame in in New Orleans, I would love to watch that. I Dame is one of my favorite players in the league Zion is I like Zion I really think Zion is going to be a superstar in this league if he isn't already um so him and Dame together down in New Orleans would be very very interesting to watch and could make the Pelicans I'm not going to say a complete contender in the West but it would definitely start to move them in the into the conversation yeah and I'm, I mean, going through just going through this, uh, this, this article here on, on uh, the the twenty. It says uh, Damian Lillard trade rumors twenty nine possible, uh, uh, twenty nine possible ranking all the twenty nine possible teams who are interested. And in, they have uh, Toronto, the Toronto Raptors right here as as the genuine favorites. Uh, Kyle seems to be on his way out. Yeah. Along yeah. along with the Knicks yeah. and the Pelicans as we were talking about. So uh, they're talking about, uh, you know, with the Raptors, you have Van Vliet, you have Siakam, you have OG uh, Ananobi there. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, again, who knows, that could be a, uh, a dark horse there uh, in, in Toronto. If he's traded out there with Kyle, Kyle Lowry, uh, potentially out there uh, exiting out of uh, Toronto. Um, but another player who, who uh, a lot of rumors are spreading about too is uh, Ben Simmons. Uh, ben Simmons, uh, as they they've you know Twitter has been buzzing about him about him. He'll probably have have played his last game in Philadelphia and will be out of Philadelphia this summer. Um, but you know a lot of a lot of different trade packages uh, that they're you know they're throwing out there for Ben Simmons. But which one do you think is the most realistic, uh, or which? You know, where, where do you think where do you think he ends up landing for next season? Go ahead, Zach. Well, okay, uh, let's let's talk about this. Uh, let's talk about this SI write up first off. Um, Cody and I both are mentioned in team form here on this write up, and I think both of these are not great trades, and I don't think they're worth it whatsoever. Like, here, look, Ben Simmons is definitely this year was in the running to be defensive player of the year which to yeah. me still kind of was surprising to see that, but numbers didn't lie. You know, he was able to, he made leaps and bounds on his defensive presence and showed up. But even though I and Will, when he's been on here, have complained about how poorly the Bulls are set up defensively and how that is one of their, that is their definitive weakness along with a point guard as well. Uh, 
you're writing up that you're going to trade Zach Levine. Why would you do that? You know, why? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's what I was going to say. Like, would you, you know, what, what do you make of, you know, would you give up a uh, Sadoransky and Levine for, for Simmons? <laughs> well, I don't <laughs> that like kind of seems kind of, seems kind of more. Levine's the one that definitely makes me say no. The yeah. only, one of the reasons I could think maybe why this is brought up is because Levine's going to be asking for a nice sack of change here and an extension, if you will, coming up shortly. You know, he's due for he's due for one. He's going to be a, it's going to be a hot button topic moving into next year. Is if if and when most likely when to me Zach Levine gets an extension because he's proven it. You know, he's been consistently getting better every year. He's been in Chicago since he was traded from the Minnesota Timberwolves, and when he was basically dumped off because of an ACL injury. I mean, yeah. this guy has come back strong and has become the cornerstone piece for Chicago and its rebuilding that it's doing right now. Uh, to me, this trade sum, sums up as saying, well, we can get Ben Simmons's defensive presence. And though we lose Zach Levine, we still have Vucevic and we still have some young talent, you know, we yeah. got a draft coming up, you know, we can figure Basi- this out. Basically know? what he's saying is uh, that uh, the, the way the Sway Simmons style is, it fits more with Vucevic if he's traded to Chicago than uh, Embiid. Right. It uh, also solves the point guard problem because Ben Simmons has played traditional point guard before. Yeah. So you can plug and play him there and you can maybe move Kobe white as the backup or into a different portion of the court, if you will. My thing is, and we all know this, and this is why we are talking about this right now is Simmons offensively is deficient. And to a degree where, unless he's charging inside, unless he is making layups, slam dunks, or is getting the easy shots in the paint, he's not a great shooter. He still hasn't really made his game to the point where you can say, oh, yeah, I would totally lose the offense from Levine and substitute Ben Simmons in to lose that shot making ability. No, that doesn't justify it. I can't do that because of it. You know, Simmons, I mean, yeah, you save cash because Simmons still you get a you know reasonable deal. But, you know, I would rather pay Levine and build between him and Vucevic and see what you get in the short term, like what they're trying to build right now in Chicago yeah. rather than you know, jeopardize what you're doing offensively, you know? Oh, yeah. uh, and again, we've talked in the show as well. I think the Bulls should be going Lonzo ball because as much as Simmons was a defensive player of the year, Lonzo is becoming an all around player, which is something yeah. that the Bulls desperately need to keep getting for assets as someone that can do it all. Lonzo yeah. is definitely a, is closer to a pure point guard. And he also can do a much better job defensively. And he's a better shot maker. Something yeah. he's improved on year yeah. over year. You know, he's, he's, uh, Alonzo Ball is definitely a much better acquisition for for Chicago. It would be a much better acquisition than than uh, than Ben Simmons here. But yes. you know, it's uh, you know, it's definitely. I know uh, recently with with Simmons, I know he's he's backing out of the Olympics. He's backing out of Team Australia because he wants to quote uh, get better at his playmaking um, right. and get better in his game. And I know he said that he said that the last two or three summers of, and it's like. Come on, dude. You're just yeah, the same I, the same statement that you're repeating every year, but see, nothing I'm, I'm is not changing. It. You know, yeah, I, nothing I is changing. <laughs> right. And that's what I'm saying. Like, why let go of Levine, who's coming off roughly 28 points a game this year? And you know, what could have and if he's in at the back half of the season, the Bulls might have a shot at getting into that play in tournament. Now, credit, they still have the second toughest schedule to end the year at that point past the trade deadline, past the all-star break, but even then Levine being in not having to deal with health and safety protocols, yeah. you wonder what could have been. 
you know, but if we're going, if we're talking about where Simmons should go, it shouldn't be Chicago. It shouldn't be Indiana. No, yeah. I don't like either one of those. Um, the, like if we're talking the SI article, and these are ones that I was even thinking about before I read into this, you know, mm-hmm. golden state, I have no problem with that because here's the, here's the thing, you know, <laughs> Wiggins, like there, this one is referencing Andrew Wiggins. Okay. So here's the deal. Wiggins is a more offensive presence, something that the Sixers I think needed in at least from Ben Simmons, part of the reason why we're even at this stage right now in talking about him being traded, you know, mm-hmm. Wiggins had an improved season this year. He actually was kind of one of the vital pieces for the Warriors to can even be in contention in the play in tournament. Uh, Simmons, at least going to going to golden state, you know, you're going to get clay Thompson back as well, who already is an all around shot maker and, you know, defensive player in his own right. Uh, Simmons helps lock that down as well. And, you know, somebody that can crash inside and can take advantage of Stephen Curry being the great playmaker that he already is. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's my philosophy on it. Plus for the 76ers, you know, with this deal, you get some picks back, I guess. Yeah. Um, at least, and this is the SI ref- article I'm referencing, which I think with Wiggins, you would, because Wiggins at this point, he's not all-star caliber. His name isn't as much value anymore. Uh, but he still will get you that present. So you need to Simmons, at least it's like, I need a little bit of change for that. You know, why not? Uh, Portland would be kind of weird just for, you know, we're already talking about, you know, McCollum yeah. having to need to step up. And, you know, I feel like that would just irk Damien Lord a little more. If you brought in Simmons is like, Oh, we'll bring in a less experienced shooter and make Lord have to be relied on more for making the shots. <laughs> yeah. The time. yeah no. uh, Golden state to me is the best one. I, I think that one, I would like to see him there, you know, yeah. give him, give him something. That's kind of like a, I, I would, hey, this is a weird, maybe fire and ice, you know, where ice is like the lockdown defensive type of mindset. Golden yeah. State, of course, having clay and uh, you know, Curry being the splash brothers with Curry, you know, seeming to be getting better as he ages like Chris Paul. Yeah. Why not? You know, get some more defense in there for a team than golden state where it seemed like they were more sprinting every time this season, rather than trying to, you know, slow down the opposing teams when they came in to when they came into San Francisco. So why not? Mm-hmm. So you're going gold state. I know Cody, you, uh, you had mentioned, you know, earlier, uh, you know, no, you, the, the Indian, you're not willing to give up uh, Brogdon and TJ Warren Hell no. uh, for Simmons to come into Hell Indiana. No. Oh yeah. No, no, I, I agree Hell with you. No. I think that's, uh, that's, I mean, good, good God. Yeah. Simmons is, no, no, don't, 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 don't take him. Don't, don't, no. don't get that. God, oh, I'd kill that. myself if that's what happened. But I mean, it's for possible, both possible destinations. I mean, yeah. One, um, Golden State is, yeah. I think, dream scenario for Ben Simmons because he's, I mean, and if you do give up Andrew Wiggins, your lineup would be Steph, Clay, Ben Simmons. I'm assuming Draymond and we'll assume now James Wiseman, although reports are the I've seen some rumors that they may Warriors may try and package their pick and James Wiseman to go go get Siakam, but that's topic for another day. But so if it was that starting five, have fun stopping that. You have a lockdown two basically elite defenders in Draymond and Ben Simmons. You have offensive just galore in Steph and Clay, and James Wiseman, I still think is a very nice center. Um, he still is obviously been wrapping up his rookie year. He'll develop better. Yeah. Um, so I think that's dream scenario for Ben Simmons to where 
you're not going to be, you're going to be, heck, I'd say third, fourth option on that team mm-hmm. to where you don't have to prioritize scoring. Yeah. You can you can rebound, you can defend, you can play make when need be, um, but focus on what you do best. He's basically a bigger version of Draymond Green no. at this point, no. I think. Okay. Um, okay. So with that, I think that's a dream scenario for him. Um, I'll I disagree with Zach on the Portland one though, um, and I'll say this: Portland can't stop anybody. On, on sure Dame and is going off for 40, 50 points. But on the, as much as I love Dane, and it's just because he's a small guard, um, he really is not the greatest defender. Um, right. But yeah. you obviously, he makes up for it on the offensive end. But they have Robert Covington, who's nice. Um, he can stop. But if you bring, bring in Ben Simmons, who will, who, as much as I hate on him, but it's all for his offensive stuff. He's a damn good defender. Um, so if you're Portland bringing him in, um, you already have you have tons of shooters on that team. You have uh, Gary Trent. You have uh, just Dame, obviously, yeah. and then a few others. Rodney shooters. Hood, I think. Rodney Hood, thank you. Yeah. Um, Yusuf Nurkic, yeah. um, who's not a shooter, but he can get you buckets and rebounds um, down below. Him there too you know so they've got players who can score they need a defensive anchor and Mm -hmm. i think ben simmons could be that so i'm not i don't think portland's a bad scenario at all um i think those are the two portland and golden state kind of make the most sense um it's it's gonna be interesting i mean i who knows if they move i think they do move them um I don't want to take on that contract though. Yeah. So you're you better be giving me oh, yeah, like, t- picks too. I think I think guys, I think it's a Kemba Walker situation. Yeah. I think Kemba's contract Kemba's contract was so bad, Boston had to give up their first round pick in order to get him out of town. Right. Yeah. I think it's the same thing with Ben Simmons. If you're wanting to get if you're if you're acquiring Ben Simmons, you're gonna say, okay. We're not paying, with all due respect to Ben Simmons, we're not paying $35 million for a guy who is just going to defend and score. You better, well, we're going to, if we're going to pay, you better be compensating us pretty nicely. Yeah. uh, With picks, other players, et cetera. I don't know exactly what the deal would be depending on the specific team. But so Portland and Golden State would be two ones that I think were logical. Um, We'll see how it goes. I mean, if Philly even does move him, I mean, and a little thing on the a national team. If I'm yeah. if I'm the Australian national team, I don't want Ben Simmons. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, don't. <laughs> I mean, just just watching what he did in the postseason, uh... I don't want him. He he's, <laughs> I've said it. You no, know, I said it last week. He's a liability. Um, no. In in a game that is prioritized now in putting the ball in the basket more than ever. The dude's just straight up right now for whatever reason. Um, like we've predicted, it's probably a little mental um, and psychological and that kind of scenario. But for whatever reason, he can't put the ball in the basket. He's yeah. regressed in that area. Yeah. So, and I've only four I, years. So, yeah. yeah. 
And when they played the the Hawks, there were a couple moments where he had he had some some easy open shots, but he just he had a wide open dunk and passed it. Yeah, he had a wide open dunk on one of the shot uh, yeah, shots and he, he passed just it. deferred. So like yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's uh again Ben Simmons, a lot of a lot of intriguing uh players in this in this free agency class. Ben Simmons, just the the latest there um in, in that in that uh in that process. And we'll see how uh, how his his situation shakes out. I know, like like I said, the last three years he's been saying, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna take the summer for individual development." I think is the phrase that he he has uh, coined. Well, and this is so, something that <laughs> we talked about before we started. Yeah, and Nick Cutton. I mean, it'll serve us back to Lonzo Ball. Um, Lonzo Ball seems to be a hot topic on this show. Um, yes, but <laughs> yeah. look at what Lonzo Ball has done with his shooting. In oh. just the few short years he's been in the league, he he recognized after his rookie season, he's like, "Oh shit, I need to <laughs> really work on my shooting, or I'm not yeah. going to get very far." Yeah. And look what he's doing now. It's yeah. shot almost. I don't I don't have the stats right in front of him, but a very high percent. Want to say maybe close to forty yeah. percent. Um, but he shot very well, and so Ben Simmons for people who saying oh give it time give it time it'll pan itself out no he's I'm been sorry. in the league for like five years you, now. you've been <laughs> in the league a while look what lonzo ball just did um with his with fixing his shot do what i mean if yeah. i'm ben simmons i hit up lonzo ball and say <laughs> yes, bro not? like what did you do what magic what, did you what do? Did you do can i kind of train train with you or do whatever i'm being serious when i say this <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah yeah but no, take me to the witch doctor that you uh <laughs> yeah like show me yeah, your is there, ways is there any magic beans that you were eating that this, yeah. uh, <laughs> whatever hey, now those are illegal substances here comes Andrew silver yeah. <laughs> yeah whatever lonzo did to I mimic that if I'm Ben Simmons because it's yeah. it's obviously worked. Well, you speak of uh, foreign substances, Zach. We'll get a we're gonna touch on that here just in a second. Oh, goody! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you are listening to Beyond the Press Box with Zach Kyleman, Yash Padi, Cody Emerson, and Will Hatzel. Be sure to follow and interact with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. To listen to more great episodes, subscribe to the podcast on Anchor FM, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. You can also listen to us on the Unhinged Sports Network. Head to unhinged.com to listen to us and check out other great podcasts featured on the network. We now return you to Beyond the Press Box. You touched on uh, the the foreign substances there, Zach, uh, oh, yes. and you you look at what uh, uh, you know with uh, the NBA. Uh, you talk about Adam Silver coming uh, coming out uh, in in the NBA, but let's talk about uh, let's touch on what Rob Manfred and the MLB are doing with these, these foreign substances. And, uh, you know, what, have, what have you made of the new, the, the, the rule, the, the MLB and, and the rule that they made regarding, uh, foreign substances, because this has been, um, I know Cody put this in our, in our group chat earlier. Uh, I know I saw it all over Twitter with Max Scherzer literally pulling his pants down almost, uh, <laughs> uh in, in the in the nationals game <laughs> while the umpires were literally searched uh and so this has been a real continuing issue with with pitchers and like i mentioned with with max scherzer and then hector uh, santiago who was the first ejection off of this role and so uh yeah just wanted to get your uh your thoughts on on the uh 
the new, I know uh, the, the guidelines uh, say any pitcher who possesses or applies foreign substances in violation of rule will be ejected and automatically suspended. Uh, 10 games is the uh, starting suspension there. So uh, they will have more than one mandatory check per game. Relievers must be checked at the end of the inning when they entered the game or when they are taken out of the game, whichever comes first. And typically the inspections will take place between innings or during pitching changes. Um, so, uh, and then players will be paid during suspensions for this violation, but repeat offenders will be subject to progressive discipline. Um, so um, th- that's just, that's just the wording straight from the MLB's website. <laughs> oh, no. They're on the <laughs> and the the players. I mean, I know the players are irked by it, but man, Rob Manfred seems very very cool about it. Hasn't really uh, I'm like laying down the hammer. I, I, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I know we've I know I know we've touched on uh, what a joke Manfred is. He's just and, our favorite uh, guy on this show, isn't he? I know, Rob. <laughs> well, the the fact that he's saying things are going well. Yeah, for the love of God, uh, you had pitchers pull you. Sergio Romo. Yeah, um, I saw pitcher, yeah. the reliever for the ace straight yeah. up. There was no, oh, he half did it. He fully just dropped his pants. Yeah. Live crowd. <laughs> I mean, it's like, there's, so are things going well, Rob? I uh, don't really know. So. Yeah. This, is, this is the MLB's new version you, of coaches yelling are, are, at the I, mean, I saw you, another one. Are you, are you um, living under a rock, Rob, or are you actually yeah, paying attention some, to your league? I, the pitcher <laughs> the baseball. <laughs> Um, I can't remember his name, but he's throwing a knuckleball. Yeah. And so supposedly all this sticky stuff is supposed to increase. It's all about the spin rates of the the ball. And (laughs) it was just a page poking fun at this new rule, which many people, unlike ourselves, we've enjoyed making fun of it as well a little bit. But the fact that said, it said the fact that you're checking a knuckleball pitcher which literally has no spin rate whatsoever (laughs) for foreign substances is the pinnacle of this uh, whole thing with MLB because you can literally, a knuckleball is designed to have literally, if you check the spin rate, zero spin rate. (laughs) Three times. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, (laughs) you know, the whole thing with Max Scherzer, Joe Girardi can, uh, I'm not going to, I could go into a whole debate about Joe Girardi and how, what of a joke of a manager he is with doing that crap. <laughs> um, he checked Max and in all seriousness, guys, Yeah. what I've taught, what I've thought about, this is going to decredit pitchers who actually are really good. Yeah. Like you. So just because, I mean, you're good. Max you're going to get checked. Dominating yeah. a game. You're on. Well, um, he may be using some stuff. Who knows? Well, you know, it's like it's like you know, in the NFL, the NBA player plays well. They're like, oh, we got to drug test him all of a sudden. You know, (laughs) random. (laughs) He might be. He might be doing some drugs. Joe Girardi, just because Max Scherzer, who, by the way, guys, has only a handful of Cy Youngs. He's pitched, you know. Um, in World Series game, yep. big moments. You know, yep. he's been around the blocker time or two. He's I think a veteran, he's pretty yeah. good at baseball. Yep. Um, the fact that he was checked two or three times during throughout the game just because he was throwing a gem against the Phillies yeah. is it's laughable to me. And yep. what Max Scherzer did afterwards with 
with ending the inning, I think via a strikeout, he stared down the Phillies bench, yeah, which was hysterical. Like, all right, you're gonna check me, well, then I'll make I'll make your team look pretty damn silly, yeah. And, but this whole thing, look, have the players overreacted? I think a little bit, but at the same time, I'm yeah. on the side of the players too, where yeah. it's like this is getting a little ridiculous. And I know all the statistics. I think there was a statistic out there today which said the spin rate is drastically decreased in the week or whatever. So is it working? It probably is. But in case of Hector Santiago's case, he was saying, and Trevor Bauer, who is all over this, um, he has his own comments, and it's funny to watch him describe things half the time he was saying that or he'd been saying some stuff and Hector Santiago what Hector Santiago the pitcher who got ejected was saying is the rosin bag which is the only thing that the pitchers can use to wipe wipe off sweat make sure they have a better grip or whatever and the combination of sweat and dirt on the rosin bag it can make it look like you have some, like if you're brushing it up against your the bill of your cap or whatever, or putting it. I I imagine that's where it was. I think or in the glove or yeah. whatever, mm-hmm. wherever they're putting it. They can look like you're you have a, you're putting something in your glove when in reality, it's just the dirt of the rosin bag. Yeah, and your sweat. So that's what yeah. he was saying. I now whether that's true or not, we kn- we won't know. Um, but this is going to cause, and they said you can't do a lot more harm than good, I think. And now, uh, they're saying pitchers are being told not to use sunscreen, uh, because they're saying sunscreen can cause issues when yes, with the rosin bag. Let the pitchers that's that's fry. I know that's what I'm saying. Like, (laughs) yeah, sun cancer approved by the MLB. The MLB says rosin bags will continue to be allowed, but rosin bags combined with sunscreen. Uh, cannot pitchers are being told to not use sunscreen in outdoor stadiums and not to use it in all indoor ball indoor ballparks. Uh, yeah, so I don't understand. It's it's. Uh, I understand. Okay. Yeah. What they've taken it too far. I think yeah. with all this checks and whatnot. Yeah. And like I said, I just think um, if a pitcher's having a good start, you know what they're automatically going to assume that. He's cheating or that, and also something that I've noticed or thought about really. Yeah. What's, what's stopping a pitcher from, look, I get changing gloves. That, that'd be obviously different Um, because the umpires and the opposing players, opposing managers, they'd be able to see that you're using a new glove. What the hell is the, what's stopping players from, if they are um, quote unquote cheating, um, from going and grabbing different hats between innings, like what's stopping them from doing that? Because if you can tell the difference between hats, I will hand you a million dollars or something because all the yeah. MLB, they're all wearing the same hat. Yeah. So what's saying Joe Schmo, Hey, uh, do we have another hat or whatever? I mean, look, MLB and we can all blame the Houston Astros for this because and I find this some way to bring it back to Houston um, because they brought cheating to the forefront of baseball and yeah. now it's some it's a prominent topic that we're talking about yeah so 
instead of like I keep saying, we're talking instead of talking about the what's actually happening on the field and some of the great play, you know, we're seeing from Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Shohei Otani, um, the young superstars of the league, Fernando Tatis. Instead of talking about how great they are, yeah, and how what a great point baseball is at, we're we have this damn black cloud over our heads with no it once was the batters are cheating now it's the pitchers are are supposedly cheating it's i just want to get away from all this crap and talk about the the actual base yeah the the actual baseball itself it's kind (laughs) of just a little annoying yeah well i mean like you said and it's it's uh, manfred's kind of been uh you know hush hush about it said uh, the leaks in, it's been well, well it's been doing well and, it's uh, been going well yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's like mm. you know maybe maybe uh, you know, oh, like we, he's, he's oh, got that at and yeah. maybe he doesn't have the t-mobile to watch <laughs> watch the the baseball you know oh, sure, sure. <laughs> if he actually had yeah. if he actually watched baseball he would know that uh you know his players yeah. are are uh you know it's not <laughs> they're not taking too kindly to it yeah. I see this as like a direct response to the to basically the record low batting averages, record low batting statistics too. Oh, yeah. You know, I think I think this is they're not going to admit it directly. The spin rate obviously is what they're targeting because like, well, you yeah. know, that's, help, that's helping, of course, pitchers. Uh, and as Rob Manfred as, as Rob Manfred scored to the point where it's borderline a competitive advantage, not just a helping the ba- helping the pitchers uh, sustain the performance or at least be able to get a better grip. Uh, you know. I think we, like I said, a few shows we brought up how this is a record lows for batters right now in terms of production numbers and whatever you name it. And I feel like this is a check to be like, okay, let's hold the pitchers accountable, I guess, and see if maybe that's the problem with why we can't get batting averages up, why we can't get the scoring up too. Um, it's just that, of course, go figure with how, you know, our track record of following Rob Manfred is, is that it finds a way to be completely botched and look like a PR disaster in some way when it comes to how it's implemented because yeah these rules have been in place but the thing with the mlb's history is yeah the rules are in place but they've always been at least kind of stretched in some degree like especially the whole illegal substances on the ball type of thing you know that's always been kind of like well yeah it's here but like i'll look like a more like for example if you're a if you're a dugout manager that has a pitcher using the substance as well and you try and do like what George Girardi did in the past, and we didn't have this implementation of umpires looking and doing checks every game. You know, the instance has been, well, my pitcher also uses a substance, so I don't want to be caught in that cat in that uh, you know hypocritical type of stance in, in the middle of a game. So yeah. I'm just gonna let it slide. But now, since the MLB basically said, oh yeah, now we're just checking this straight up. Like this isn't your call. This is our call. We're letting yeah. our umpires do it. Imagine Girardi's surprise. He's probably like, oh, I can do that? Oh, I can do that. So, I can, <laughs> so now he's like, but the MLB said I can do it. You know, and you got Scherzer over here. He's like, you want me? I can take the belt off now. And like, that, that's how it leads into that whole mess with him. Uh, and now you got Santiago where they're literally saying they're taking it back to the lab in New York to yeah. check the glove. And they're, doing the, and they're doing this complete analysis of the spin rate. And they're doing yeah. the science behind it now and studying the analytics and data of the yeah. pitches it's gotten to the point where i think the mlb is trying so hard to get back to being offensively productive to where it's like that point where we always argue is like you know 
I bring up like traditionalist viewer versus like mo- like supposed modern viewer thing where it's like retention rate. And I'm not saying that, and again, not saying baseball always has this problem, but like this is with sports where it's like, well, offense is what brings in the crowds, it seems, although there are great defensive pitching battles. I like them. Yeah. But yeah. this is totally to me under the radar, the MLB going, let's uh, get those batting rates up and get those homers back up there because uh, we want to see home runs. And that's probably yeah. the first step of this is like, we'll, control, well, we'll say it's a spin rate. We'll control the spin rate. You know, no more spider tech, you know, no more, uh, <laughs> no <They're laughs> getting home runs. I mean, yeah. for the love of God, show, uh, I just got another update on my phone. Show how Tani hits a home run every night. Yep. I mean, he's at 20. Yeah seven he's closing in on 30 he's he's amazing for baseball right now i mean you're you're getting home runs yeah i mean him vlad tatis acuna i mean trout when he comes back yeah Um, but uh, can we also just take a minute to probably say that the reason batting averages are low i mean zach you can attest to this i think a little personally with the cubs i mean i think players are now just focused on well, I'm going to hit a home run or I'm going to strike out. Yeah. That, that, that's, yeah, that's, and yeah. you're not going to hit a home run at every at bat. Oh. So that's the reason batting averages, I think, are low because everyone just wants to come up and, yep, I'm going to hit a 500 foot home run. It, it, it's not the case. I mean, I personally, I love small ball. I love it. When a runner gets on, strategically moving them over and, now, look, don't get me wrong. I love watching Ronald Acuna play. I got to watch him play yesterday and hit a his 21st home run of the year. It's phenomenal to watch. Yeah. But still, moving runners over, double, singles, doubles, they still exist. Yeah. Um, but hitting for a high batting average doesn't exist because everyone will just wants to come up and hit a home run. So can we – I think people are overlooking that as – what they're saying oh the pitchers are just getting too good eh? or the batters are just getting too greedy yeah i mean you look at some of the pitches these batters are swinging at they're in the dirt like 10 feet off the plate yeah so i mean the batters are to blame for their low batting averages too i think yeah and you, you touch on the the batters there and this is again straight from that uh that document that the mlb has put out uh, regarding this this uh, foreign substances rule, and they say one argument offered by pitchers in favor of the use of foreign substances is that it will prevent injury by limiting the number of batters that are hit by pitches. However, we, the MLB, have found the number of hit batters is higher than it has ever been with the four highest uh, hit-by-pitch rates since 1901, all coming in the past four years, that suggests that using foreign substances by pitchers are doing little to protect hitters. So that's why they're 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 trying to basically counteract this. They're saying that this was like one of the the bigger arguments that the uh, pitchers brought up, and they're trying to counteract that by saying, well, you know, you look at the amount of players that are being hit by a pitch, and uh, foreign substances are yeah, doing it, little it, to... yeah. I mean, no, it's <laughs> high. I mean, I mean, yeah, we've seen, I've seen a, my fair share of them. You know, the Kevin Pillar with the Mets this year. Um, yeah. Well, and it's also a matter of pitchers are throwing it. Well, I mean, it's this ongoing battle. Pitchers are throwing more inside um, now more than ever. Um, And also, batters are crowding the plate. I mean, both pitcher and batter are entitled to do what I just said. 
the pitcher is allowed to throw inside, and the batters are allowed to crowd the plate as much as he wants. Yeah, um, that's he. As long as he is in that little rectangle area, he is fine. Yeah. So, and hit by pitch. I think it's. I don't think there's any correlation to anything like that. Yeah. I think it's just a matter of, you know, both pitcher and batter are pushing the limits of what they can do, and I don't blame them for it. I mean, but it's just an unfortunate, I think, consequence of what's happening. Yeah. No, I mean, again, it's it's. Uh, you know, Zach, you bring up a good point as well with increasing the uh, the MLBs kind of silently. Uh, you know, trying to push the batting averages up. But Cody, uh, you uh, you also bring up that that counter argument in terms of you know getting batters getting greedy uh, there uh, when they get <laughs> when they get into the oh, sure. the. Uh, and the I plate. hate to bring bring him up, but he's a great example. Hoppy Bias. I mean, yeah, I, I hate yeah, to yeah. do it because it's <laughs> yeah. tough. I was waiting for it. I mean, he's been the I I don't want to say poster child for it, but yeah, he, he's been known for home runs and strikeouts. <laughs> Yeah, I was waiting. I was waiting. I mean, it's funny because the MLB's history has basically always been this back and forth on how to balance the pitcher versus the batter, like in terms of rule changes and adaptations. So I find it funny that right now we're kind of in a lull where it's like the MLB is almost, I would say, trying to say, oh, now the pitcher has the advantage again. Now it's trying to go and do these. It's just been constant wild swings. If you go back in the MLB's 100 plus year history of trying to develop the game. I guess we're just in one of those swings again. Just seems like it happens. We're in one of those like swings. Exactly. But and, I, and I unintentionally use that as a pun too, but you know, but you know, I, I'm just saying, no, like, you're right. eventually, eventually in a decade or so batters are going to somehow get the advantage again. Then you're going to yep. see the MLB go, well, how do we tweak the game again to get the pitchers back? And then we're going to be all <laughs> no. kind of complaining. Just allow everybody to cheat. Just a back and forth. Just allow everybody to cheat. Maybe we give bring, them spider bring out the tra- we Bring out the rid- trash cans. <laughs> bring out the, allow them to cork their bats however they want to allow the pitchers to use spider tech. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Don't throw the what trash. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> I know. Oh, uh, just just let everybody cheat, you know. That's uh, exactly. <laughs> you ain't cheating, uh, you ain't trying. Yeah, that's a. But you talk about uh, it's it's uh, funny you bring up Javi Baez because that's where uh, I was going to go to next year with the uh, the Chicago Cubs and they uh, they lost their series uh, against the Dodgers. Um, although they they shut them out in that first game of the series but then uh, lost the, the last two games. And now they'll face uh, the NL Central leading uh, Milwaukee Brewers. They're currently in the bottom of the first inning as we speak in the first game of the series, and they're up 2-0. Uh, so uh, it's looking, looking up for uh, the Cubs in this first game of the series, and they sit just three games behind the Brewers uh, going into this, this three-game series. Um, and so when you look at... Uh, I mean, they're up two nothing uh, right now, but when you look at uh, this series overall, what do the Cubs have to do uh, to win against the Brewers? Because these last couple of series that they've played, they're able to get one, they're able to get one game, and then they're unable to close out the series. So you know, if they, you know, if they're able to get this game, it's great, but they got to be able to finish and close out the series and get the series. So what what are they looking at the series overall? What do they have to do? Oh, sure. And, you know, this is I think this is one of your more crucial ones. The, the when we were talking schedules a few shows back uh, when the MLB had, had officially released its schedules for for us and we kind of dug into that for the Cubs, 
June was always going to be looked as the first like true test for the Cubs with kind of like, I called it the buzzsaw at the time, June and July, that middle summer for them is extremely tough. And, you know, they started out strong against San, against San Diego really looked like that. They were, this was at the point where I thought that the Cubs had kind of surprised me, but uh, they've kind of come back down to earth. I would say this past month, uh, surprisingly are still really right in the thick of things with Milwaukee right now. And, you know, a lot lately has just been inconsistency across the board for them. You know, again, finish, finishing series or only bringing your best baseball for one game or so against top-tier opponents. Um, I mean, credit, they got swept by the Cardinals for crying out loud, who, like I said earlier, they're the most underperforming NL Central team this year. They really shouldn't even be in the spot they are behind the Reds for what they have on that roster. A lot of, a lot of analysts thought that they would be one of the tops in the league or not in the league, but in tops in that division in particular, and that they might take the central this year over the Brewers. You know, the Cubs were kind of not even considered to be right at that spot. And right now it's just a lot of inconsistency in terms of just where the Cubs are at. Uh, Hitting's gone up since the beginning of the year. So that's something that they're getting down. Surprisingly, you know, uh, they're actually 11th in overall in a lot of in uh, hits a lot. Well, they're actually uh, 17th in runs right now. That was worse off at the beginning of the season. Um, defensively they've gotten better too but uh, I think the Cubs at least right now are a team that might need to be a buyer at, like say the deadline here um, coming up and you know it's uh, honestly this is a crucial end of the month stretch as well as going into July you know the Brewers are right now the top spot in the central for a reason and the Cubs are just it's been inconsistency so far is all I can tell you um I, I mean, it, it, the, the one gem, Chris Bryant definitely looks like he's back. So if there was uh, ever a doubt about Bryant, you know, I think that we have uh, kind of put that to rest. Uh, it does muddle things, of course, for what will happen this offseason. But um, for the most part, you know, Chicago really, it's been more just uh, they've run into a buzzsaw with their schedule. Milwaukee's just another one of those steps. Luckily, Ian Happ has a two-run shot that's given them a chance to, you know, we start off the series right here. Uh, and they're right in the middle of things. So for all intents and purposes, I guess you can't complain completely. You know, just got to wonder what uh, their prospects are for the postseason is all and how far they can actually go. Yeah. And as we, as we speak, the, the Brewers have tied it up again. Uh, Christian Yellis uh, scored Angle off of a, uh, a Garcia uh, single. So uh, he's uh, now the, the Brewers have tied it up at, at two apiece uh, against the Cubs there. And so, no, I mean, yeah, I, I, I think definitely, uh, definitely uh, closing out, like you said, closing out the series and got to figure out a way instead of just getting there, uh, getting uh, putting everything in for one for the the one game, being able to sustain over the course of the the uh, this the series is very important uh, for Chicago, and this is another uh, important series uh, for you know uh, for the the Cubs because they're only like I said three games behind. Uh, the Brewers here uh, in the NL Central, and so uh, again, we'll uh, we'll have to to see how this this series uh, will pan out uh, for for the Cubs. Uh, right, like I said, currently tied to two apiece there. But uh, wait, you saying something, Zach? There? Well, no, I mean that's oh. <laughs> I, like I said. They're for all and for all the purposes and for some of the struggles they've had as of late. You know, obviously you know. dropping three straight to the Dodgers. You know. Yeah. For, after you know going three or four in the series overall against them uh splitting cleveland you know losing your series against miami 
yeah mm. you know it is it is what it is especially even the new york mets i'm like oh come on really yeah really but you know it, this was the middle of the summer was what was going to be the test for the cubs and uh you know what they're in actually a reasonable spot right now so um you know, you got the, you got the Brewers here. You got a lot of uh, in division games coming up, you know, you got a series of the Brewers, Cincinnati Reds are after this. And then after you go for a four game in, with Philadelphia, you get to go against the Cardinals once more. So, you know, plenty of opportunities to help get yourself back to the top. If not, you know, kind of recoup and just kind of get focused in for that, for that stretch run in the late middle of the late summer that the Cubs are going to need. Yeah. And you, you mentioned the, the, the Mets there and that's who, uh, hey, couldn't help so. I'll turn, I'll, I'll turn know, right? to with, with the, uh, the Atlanta Braves. They just split uh, their series with the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, I know, Cody, you were, uh, you mentioned you were at that game. Uh, I watched Ronald Acuna hit his, uh, that game hit, hit the homer. So, uh, yeah, so they, they split the, uh, the, the series there. They shut out the Reds in that final game uh, of that series four to nothing. And now uh, we talked about the Cubs facing the, uh, NL Central leading Milwaukee Brewers and the Braves will face the NL East leading New York Mets here. Uh, and they just, they sit just uh, five games behind the Mets uh, in this NL East. So what's it going to take? I know they, they played New York, uh, I think six days ago uh, or five yes, days ago. Split, split that. So they the split that series. Split. Yeah, we split that one two two and got yep. another three gamer coming up. So, what's it going to take to uh, to uh, beat New York for the second time in in six six <laughs> days starting out? Well, this, uh, next series. I'll say this, uh, Bray. It's it's been a I'll say underwhelming first half for Braves. I mean, it's. This team was by far and away, I think, favorites to win the National League East. And let's be honest, they they sit three games under 500, and they have not. Uh, fun fact of the day, uh, not spent a day, not a single day of this MLB season over 500. It, it's been... They have literally gotten to 500 multiple times, but could not crawl over. Um, it's been multiple issues at multiple points, whether the hitting's good one, um, one at a portion, then the pitching is terrible. And uh, now our pitching is starting to come around and our offense isn't quite, you know, where it needs to be. Also, you know what? I don't know what it is about the teams I like and injury bugs. But they seem to go hand in hand. The injury bug seems to follow my teams wherever, whoever I may root for. I mean, you know, it's before I get in this Mets series real quick. I absolutely am, and I'm gonna say it, heartbroken for uh, Mike Soroka. Um, for those who don't know, Soroka was coming back from a torn Achilles, which he suffered at the beginning of last season. Um, so he was coming back. It was looking like everything. He was rehab was going great. He was scheduled to probably come back sometime in August. And then I get the notification um, last, I think, on Friday, Friday, Saturday, something like that. He completely retore it. The same exact Achilles. So, yeah, it, this would be his second torn Achilles on 
just it sucks to say the least you know when we need some pitching and it was looking like reinforcements were coming um so yeah i feel for that young kid he's only 23 years old so i guess there's still hope that he can get things going um but that was a major blow and it sucked to read that um but Looking forward to this Mets series. So first of all, I hope that we win the first two because we face Jacob DeGrom in game three, um, who, by the way, 0.69 ERA on the year. I, I, I'd say that's pretty darn good. Um, and he gave up a few runs in his last start, and it was 0.5 before that. So you, I Braves take, take the first two. Um, Charlie Morton, our ace, who coming off back-to-back stellar games of seven-plus innings pitched, is going to take the ball in game one. Hopefully, you know, I think the offense will be fine going forward. And if you can take two out of three from the Mets, I would like a sweep um, because that would only put us two games back. Um, and then you would look – at the Braves next, the final three series before the All Star break for the Braves Marlins, Pirates, Marlins. That should be win, win, and win. But I'm there. I'm sorry. There's no excuse not to win all three of those series. No offense to the Marlins. They're still not that great of a team. And the Pirates, as Zach, you will know, are the bottom, one of the bottom feeders of the national, not just the National League Central, but the National League as a whole. So if you're the Braves, get, if you can take, I'll take two out of three against the Mets because anytime Jacob DeGrom's pitching, if you lose against him, you can't be too upset. Um, So take the first two. Who knows what happens in the third game? Um, And then go into these, win the series against Miami, win the series against Pittsburgh, and win the series against Miami. Go into the all-star break. If the Braves can be, I'd say, three games back of the Mets, going, I'd say within three. I don't want to keep falling into this five that we keep falling in. Um, it's because the Braves are win two, lose one, win one, lose two, lose three, win one. It's this endless cycle of just kind of average baseball right now. So this team, if they can, I'd say, be two and a half, three, the, anywhere in the two to three range of the Mets at the All-Star break, I'd, I'd feel pretty good. Because Travis Darno and Waskari Noah, um, who was, for those who don't know, the idiot that punched a dugout seat and broke his hand, um, a while back um he's supposed to come back in august he was basically our ace um before he got he did that travis darno all-star catcher from last year is coming back should be coming back in august so the braves are getting some reinforcements um coming down the down the drain eventually so hopefully they can go into the all-star break against with against the mets and take two out of three and you know, win these upcoming series, and I'll feel good. I'll, it's, the Braves should, in my opinion, should be in first place right now, but they've underperformed. So if you can at least go into the all-star break within striking distance of the Mets, I think um, the Mets, I think, will hopefully fold under the pressure. Um, 
because I think we've been there. Freddie Freeman's starting to swing a hot bat. Ronald is um, doing Ronald Acuna things. Yeah. Um, everyone's starting to slowly get there. Um, we need the pitching and bullpen to step it up. Bullpen is still one of the worst in baseball, guys. The Braves have. I was looking at it right here. My quality to quality start by a starting pitcher is defined as six innings of three runs or fewer. The Braves are tied for sixth in the majors in quality starts. So you're like, how on earth are they, you know, three games under 500? Or well, because their bullpen is atrocious. It's, yeah. it's just downright awful, as I've mentioned a few times on this show. So just start to build some of them heading into the all-star break. And then, you know, and back in August or sometime in August, you'll get your catcher back. You'll get one of your starters back. And hopefully you can go on a few winning streaks, uh, win five out of six, win six out of seven, um, something like that. And put, start to put some pressure on the Mets um, because I think this team can, because that's the only way they're going to make the playoffs um, because they're not going to make the wild card because also Huge shout out to the San Francisco Giants, who should not be this good whatsoever. They're they're at fifty wins, which they have. With all all due respect to San Francisco, they have, like I said, they have no reason being as good as they are. But hell, they got fifty wins on the year. They're in first. It's not the Dodgers. It's not the Padres. It's the Giants being in first in the National League West. So that means the two wild card spots will be occupied by the by the Dodgers and Padres. So if you're the Braves, you have no wiggle room. You're not probably not going to get a wild card, so you have to win the division. So get in with get within striking distance. I still there's still plenty of season left, um, but you need to start making progress in the right direction if you want to win the division for the fourth fourth straight year. And you know because that's the only way the team's going to make the playoffs probably. No. No, and then, you know, you said it best there. You get within striking distance there by the all-star break. And like you said, you have uh, Darno coming back in August and you have, uh, so, you know, you get some, uh, you get some help coming, uh, coming your way in August, but until then the Braves have to, uh, to, uh, you know, uh, play well in these next couple, couple of series and uh, get some, get some win, rack up some wins and, uh, it's uh, it's a favorable to... schedule. You got to take advantage of it. Yeah, you, you, you yeah. can't be getting swept or dropping two out of three or something like that. That's yeah. Th- this team's too good. Th- this team is too good to be just meh and average. Yeah. No, and it's I know uh, um, Zach, your uh, your Cubs haven't had the best month, and like you said, it's you know June was June was uh. We, we knew coming in when we were looking at schedules that June was going to be a tough month for the Cubs too, but, uh, you know, uh, hopefully, hopefully Chicago is able to, uh, to bounce back here in July and, um, make a charge, uh, when it comes, when it comes into July and into well, August, as we head into the uh, Cubs have answered a lot of questions though. Cause I remember yeah. at the beginning of the yeah. year, I mean, this was yes, the, a lot of people were like, oh, are they going to trade Brian? Are they going to – the big? that was the big – like, what were they going to be sellers at the deadline? And that's – they've thrown that book out the window and said, no, we ain't trading anybody. 
and now they're being talked at as buyers exactly, right yeah. now. And, you know, now the question even gets even more intensified is how, how much will the Ricketts family open their checkbook mm-hmm. now that Bryant is basically at this point, he is in the running for NL MVP again, which, you know, in terms of the last two seasons at the very least, we, I didn't expect him to make a return to that MPV, MVP form again, but here we are. He is one of he is again, one of the staples in this Cubs rotation and he's going to have to, they're going to have to make a case and figure out what they're going to do. I mean, coming into the season, his, him and the Ricketts family's relationship was already shaky. Um, I don't know how this changes things, but this does, I think, at least for Bryant's sake, give him a little bit more uh, leeway in terms of bargaining, just basically saying, I can go get a deal anywhere else now. You know, I'm already proving that I am worth, you know, getting a mega, getting another MLB mega deal, you know? So that's, yeah, that question was the big one that was answered and pitching, you know, it's stabilized, but I mean, the Cubs still, it's not perfect at all. You know, Jake Arrieta still should not be your primary pitcher for his time right now in his MLB career, but you know, here we are. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they have some answers, but they're definitely now buyers again, which is crazy to think they the start of the season. They were going to, I thought be sellers, but that's changed around a lot. Yeah. And again, like, like I said, we have the, uh, we have the trade deadline now, I know that we've been uh, July thirty first, right? I think almost a month away. Yeah, about a month away. One uh, one month uh, away from from now, we'll see. Uh, I know a lot of names uh, have been. uh, Craig Kimbrell has been thrown around uh, with the Cubs. Please, (laughs) Please. Uh, his resurgence has also been great too. By the way, uh, that that one is an awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know Trevor Story's a a big name that's been thrown around. We need any. East. Any and all bullpen arms. If you're a yeah. bullpen pitcher out there and want to complain of Lamb, sure, we'll take yeah. it. <laughs> you, you can't be you can't be much worse than the majority of our bullpen. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, but you know, hope that uh, that the Braves and the Cubs can can uh, win out these series, and, and like Cody said, can win out the uh, series up until this this uh you know as we head into this this all-star break here and man time time is time is really flying by i can tell you that i remember when we first a couple couple you know weeks or weeks ago when we first started talking baseball and now we're already at the trade deadline almost a month away and it's uh no it's 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 crazy how fast uh especially with with all the sports now it's you know you've got the the nba with you know the finals nearing you know, you've got the the MLB All Star break in here. Um, you know, so uh, a lot of a lot of good sports, uh, a lot of good action. I know we've got for for college football, you've got training camp uh, coming up, so that's about ready to start uh, start up again. You know, for, for you know with the NFL as well. You know, you've got you've got uh, training camp, so a lot of a lot of good things happening uh, with a lot of different sports, and uh, you know, it'll be a fun. It'll be a fun month of July. Uh, keep watching, keep watching baseball, um, and uh, you know, fun, fun to continue to watch these these NBA playoffs and see how, you know, who whether it's Milwaukee or Phoenix or Atlanta and Phoenix, um, you know, see how uh, how how things turn Unofficial out. Unofficial account of the Clippers, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. I, 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 I got ahead of myself. <laughs> Can't officially. I got ahead of myself. There. That could change in a matter of matter of hours. Three hours. <laughs> the magical three to one. Yeah. You never well, know. It's no, uh, 
Well, like we said, pandemic P is uh, is uh, not uh, not. Uh, we'll see which one shows up. I know. I saw Twitter uh, before you go. I'll say this: I saw a a, a Twitter uh, GIF or GIF or however you want to say it that said uh, it was a like a, a suit. It was uh, Paul George in two suits, and it was like pandemic P leaving Paul George's body and playoff P entering, like like different type as, well, based on how he plays. And in all seriousness, no, Paul George and I think uh, uh, <laughs> Seth, uh, Seth Greenberg is who was on Get Up this morning. No, and I mean Paul George is going to need a Kevin Durant type performance. Oh yeah, now yeah. playoff fifty three minutes or forty eight minutes. I mean, if Excuse that's me. what it takes. <laughs> <laughs> Just better hope that efficiency yeah, is yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. all I'm saying. But uh yeah, no, uh like we've been saying though, hope hope uh hopefully uh you know a good good time for sports and hopefully the, the Cubs uh, are able to get back on track and some brewers are tied at two apiece. Uh the Braves are able to uh to uh get some wins uh, against the Mets, make that uh make that uh differential between New York and Atlanta in the NL East a little closer. Uh, and a little bit more manageable. Um, but we'll see how that all pans out. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Press Box. To stay up to date on content and to even join the debate, like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Beyond the Press Box and look for our cool red logo. To listen to more great episodes, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Anchor FM, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. We're also a proud member of the Unhinged Sports Network. Go to unhinged.com to listen to our podcast and many other great podcasts as well. Thanks for listening and have a great day.